You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. This episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. Today we talk to Andrew McDowell. He's all the way from New Zealand and he shares with us his love of running. And boy, does he love his running. One of the things that Andrew said, which really stuck with me, is that when you have a great run, take the time to be grateful for that run, whether it was a race or just out doing a training run. Take a moment to be grateful. Don't just get on with your day. Instead, it's like bottling up that moment and keep it with you. I think it was great advice. I hope you enjoy this call. Today on Fit Mind, Fit Body, I am delighted to introduce you to one of our cousins from the other side of the oceans. Uh, This is Andrew McDowell from New Zealand. Andrew, welcome. Uh, Thank you very much. Kia ora. How are you going? I know what that means. That means hello in Maori. Is that right? Yes. Yes, just testing your audience, but I'm sure a few people have heard that before. I think we used to have a cordial called that here. Really? Like sugar, sugary drink cure. I think so. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to look that one up. I know. That's ama- that sounds Isn't amazing. That funny? So it was a drink called Hello in Maori. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. My daughter has um, had some friends who, well, and has some friends who are Maori. And every time I would say Maori, she'd go, no, you've got to say it like moldy, like Moldy cheese and oh yeah, that's that's. But I not thought bad. I was, I'm getting better. Maori, like Maori. Maori. I, I practice. Yeah, see. Roll anyway. your R. Anyway, yes. But that's sorry. the bit Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost our track already. We have. We're not even talking about running, which is amazing. Um, Andrew and I have had quite a bit of a chat before we got on, so half the podcast has already happened, uh, but we didn't record it, so I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> Tell it all again. It's fine. We'll start again and maybe we'll get it right this time. <laughs> Not that there was anything to get wrong. Um, so, Andrew, tell me, where did you grow up? Um, Wellington, Palmerston North. Have you heard of these places? I have, um, yes. And uh, Auckland and, and then a little town called Pukekohe. I have not Which heard of is that. about 50 minutes <laughs> south of Auckland. It's all market gardens where I lived, all in the countryside. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, went to school at this little school of about 50 kids or 55 kids with two classrooms. Oh. Um, so you had like four years in, in one classroom, which was quite interesting. Um, That's awesome. Quite, yeah. And, and, then, and then my parents decided to send me to a private school in the middle of the city uh, for my high school years, which was just, it was like a school of, I don't know, 2000 kids. So I went from this <gasps> tiny little country school to absolute mayhem. How was uh, that? It was interesting. Um, it's tricky because my whole sort of background in life is, is music and sound. Um, and essentially the school was, um, rugby, rugby, cricket, rugby, rugby. And, um, Boy. I'm a big fan of rugby and cricket, especially cricket, but um, it kind of meant that if you were a musician, you were sort of, uh, I mean, our, our practice rooms were literally under the hall 
so that we felt like we'd been sort of shoved under. Um, yeah. it, 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 I'm sure it's changed and things change a lot over the years, but uh, I found it a bit of a challenge and um, uh, I had to travel by bus from Pukekohe every day. So oh. that was an hour on a bus each way, yeah. uh, which led to all sorts of terrible behaviour, um, oh. as you can imagine. All boys school on a bus for an hour. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> um, but uh, character building and... Um, it wasn't until I got to uni. So I went to uni over in, um, uh, in Boston actually for, um, what? because it was, yeah, it was That's um, not like Boston, New Zealand. There is no place yeah. in New Zealand called <laughs> uh, I don't Boston. Think so. <laughs> no. Uh, no, um, it, my trumpet teacher, cause I played trumpet. He, um, he said he'd gone there in the seventies to Berkeley college of music. And he said, uh, you got to go there. That's, um, uh, wow. Keep in mind, this is a teacher. When I walked in in third form, which I think they call year nine now, mm-hmm. um, he was. This, he, I walk in and I was full of beans. I thought I was. I was pretty hot stuff uh, as as a performer, as a player. Yeah. Um, Thirteen years old, yeah. and he walks in and he says to me, "Andrew, I've I've heard about you, mate. If um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you something to work on each week, and if you, and if you don't work on it, and you you come back here without getting better each time, you can f off." Uh, this is this is my teacher talking to you know at a fancy private school wow and, and it was great at the first i was kind of like oh who's this guy how dare he talk to me and then after a while i realized actually he, he's probably the one guy i should listen to um <laughs> and he went to berkeley college in the 70s he said i should go and uh so i applied and and got in um all i ever wanted to do was write for picture um so compose uh yeah. music for screen and this was basically the only place at the time that did a degree in that Um, and so I went over there and goodness me, 1996-ish, um, as a fresh faced 18 year old, you know, just jump on the plane and, uh, and turn up to the big, big city of Boston. Uh, It was middle of winter, absolutely freezing, like minus 20 degrees. Um, and yeah, spent three years doing it properly. Like the, the way they taught there was just so immersive and so interesting, you know, um, you, including just the general knowledge, like uh, we had to do normal courses like everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, um, you know, instead of just telling you, um, you know, Beethoven was born and I don't even know when he was born. I should know that. Eh? Se- late 70s. I don't a, know when. A really when long time ago. A long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they would, they would tell me about Hector Berlioz, the composer was crazy. His wife thought he was cheating on him. So she gave him a cup of poison and said, show that you're true to me, drink this cup of poison. He goes, sure I will. And he drinks a poison and he nearly dies. And she says, you're crazy, man. I'm leaving you. So suddenly you're invested in this guy and you want to know more about him. And so you actually study his works and it's interesting. So, uh, I really liked that style of teaching and and it worked really well for me. Um, and we were playing in a band, a Dave Matthews covers band, and we were doing like five gigs a week as well, as as well as full-time study. So it was Full on. Um, and you, what instrument were you playing then? You were uh, still I was playing, playing trumpet and Fender Rhodes, which is a sort of a keyboard from the 70s. Okay. Yep. Um, it hits little bits of metal, metal tines instead of strings. So it's got a different yeah. sound to it. Stevie Wonder sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I've never seen people drink so much Bud Light in all my life <laughs> as as Independence Day in America at, at Rhode Island. It was, it's amazing. Wow. So that was cool. Um, you, before and, we yeah. skip into the rest of your, what I know you said you're not that interesting, but I'm already <laughs> like, well, oh, that's pretty interesting. Um, oh, and, and David Bowie gave me my degree. That's pretty no. cool. Eh? There you go. I think, 
I love David Bowie. I'm pretty sure he's one of the stars who was born on my birthday, so that's why I feel like I have an affinity oh, very with him. nice. I know. It's kind of funny Fantastic. how we do that. Um, do, do you have siblings? Yes, yes, I have three others, an older and, brother, younger sister, and a younger brother. Okay, so you, okay. That's, and so they all went off to private schools as well? Yeah, that's, just, yes, they did, actually. Um, my youngest brother is an MP now, so he's a wow. member of parliament, which uh, has been really interesting to learn, uh, you know, the ins and outs of, of what they actually do. Such a hard job. I just, yeah. yeah. I, have, I, I don't vote for him because he's he's act party, which is our sort of hard out right wing liberal, and I'm a bit <laughs> of a tree hugger. So I told him, you guys sort out your environmental policies, and I might consider it. But for now, no. <laughs> I love but that. It, it, we seem to get along fine despite that. Of um, course. But yes, very musical family, very von Trappish, if you like. Okay. Um, so you all and, could have travelled around and, well, yeah, did you have that yeah. family sort of, you know, like it's Christmas time or whatever your celebrations are and you would all play music, sing yeah. and things? Is it like that? Yeah, yes. At grandparents' birthdays, we would all have to go up and uh, do some sort of a performance. Yeah, <gasps> absolutely. Yeah. Oh. You put on your nice shirt and <laughs> and play some Beethoven, funnily enough, um, or whatever. You That's know. amazing. Um, my sister went to um, Royal College of London to do performance cello. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, so it's, uh, definitely, yeah, we can play a few things. Very talented. Um, That's just, I'm, I'm envious. <laughs> That's amazing. What about your parents? Were they, are they into? Um, dad couldn't, what? couldn't sing a note to save himself, but he is, oh. uh, what would you call the uh, number one supporter? Um, oh. and, uh, mum, um, mum plays, yeah, used to, oh, I think she probably still, she does little groups, music groups, little kids. Yeah. And she plays a little folk guitar and sings along um, oh. and and the kids sing along and she, she holds classes like that, always has done. My grandfather was part of a, a combination called Lou and Simon back in the 50s and they were household names then. Yeah. Um, it was very progressive for its day because you had Lou the white fella and Simon the Maori fella were playing on stage singing songs that you just wouldn't ever get away with today, like um, a rip-off of, um, of Bernstein's, like, I'd, I'd like to be in America, except they'd sing, I'd like to be in a Māori car. <laughs> you just can't do that these days. But back then, and especially with a Māori fella singing it, you could yeah. sort of get away with it. Um, but, yeah, so they were, they were a famous sort of comedy, singing comedy duo back then. So I think that's where the uh, musical history came wow. from. It's us. obviously very powerful history because it's affected not just one of you but yeah you know, all of you seem to be pretty talented at that so that's that's so cool a lot of it is blunt force trauma just playing i mean you know we've, we've just just been playing since we were like four years yeah. old and yeah. um I, I don't know a lot of it did feel just like hard work you know i remember my first piano lesson is just going this is not for me i am terrible and we had like an eraser put on our hand mm -hmm. and so while you're doing your scales the eraser couldn't fall off the back of your hand oh, or you'd get no. the they get the little yeah. flick from the wooden ruler uh so no. yeah times have changed <laughs> i heard something I, I, there was an interview i heard recently where a similar kind of story they had uh, what they he called it the punishment chair, but he didn't think of it as punishment, but it was a chair full of like nails and things, but he was learning a musical instrument. I can't remember wow. what it was, um, but it kept them, it might've been a flute or a violin or something, but it kept them in that the right position because the moment he moved <laughs> to the wrong position, he would get Gee, that's by a great now. idea. And I was like, that's a, oh. that's a fantastic he, idea. He didn't think about it like in reflection as a bad thing. Like he, and even at the time he said, oh, it was this just how they taught us. It was fine, but... 
he told oh my he goodness laughed about it and called it the punishment champ and it's just like whoa that's spectacular man that just imagine i don't know doing if you could today. do that i know i was like i don't think no you could way. do that now that would just be i mean i could threaten my children with it because when they sit down and play the posture is appalling so well there I you go now you know this a solution. picture yeah, a picture of the punishment <laughs> chair and threaten them with it <laughs> maybe oh, with no. a little electric no, no. <laughs> The options are endless. Stop it. It's terrible. No, we don't mean that. <laughs> no children were harmed in uh, me. That was a joke. Podcast. Disclaimer. We're joking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mostly. Mostly. Um, Sorry. Okay. Yes. When it comes to sport, you already said that, yes, you loved watching, you know, you're a supporters of, of the sport that was around at school. But did yeah, you, well, the, the problem you had was to participate, that... I assume, in just you know, well, everyday stuff. Did they get you to participate at school? It was pretty The problem was anyway. I lived in Pukekohe and mm -hmm. uh, so my parents were like, we're going to take you to any music things you like. Uh, you mm -hmm. got, uh, we had like concert band, jazz band at seven o'clock in the morning in the city. So dad was like, no, no problem. I'll drop you off there and that's oh. fine, you know. But Saturday sport, no, nah, I'm not going to drive you all around the city on Saturday because that's that's not music. So uh, if, you wanna, if you want to <laughs> do a sport, exactly. Uh, if you want to do a sport, you have to do it um, during school time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that ruled out 99% of all sports because very few sports obviously uh, played mm. during school time. The only one was athletics. Yeah. Because you even, even the athletics day sessions, like if you were – running for your school that was during the day as well mm -hmm. um and pretty much nothing was on a weekend so yeah. it was kind of through a lack of options uh that i ended up going oh we'll try this running thing out and see what it's like um and uh, i think i think i was all right for someone who did absolutely no training at all and <laughs> and I, I always made the finals of the 400 meters so that seemed to be my my jam at the time uh and i remember wearing spikes for the first time we went to a proper track um and I borrowed someone's shoes that had spikes on it. And uh, the first thing you had to do was walk across this concrete apron. And I'd never worn spikes before. And I just remember the sound of them hitting the concrete and me sort of <laughs> scraping them across and going, oh, and all these other kids around me going, ooh, shame. You know, uh, that, still, that still hurts. So I'm, oh. I'm trying to let, let go of that. Um, we ran well. We got second, so it was still a good race. It was a relay. Um, but, uh, yeah, little, the little kid from the little country um, had to sort of learn fast about the, the big city. When it came to that oh, sort of things. I, I completely understand some of those references because I grew up on King Island, which is a, you probably do not know, like I don't know your town. So I'm afraid not. You have Tasmania and then you have two islands that are populated on the top of Tasmania that are between Tasmania and Australia. Sure. Very small islands. Um, so the total of the population on King Island is between 1,000 and 1,500, depending on they have a sheer light mine there when I was growing up. So I also grew up in a really small place, but occasionally like we had to go away for, for say to represent the school for sport or whatever, um, yeah. or just go to Melbourne for holiday. And I can, uh, that I really understand that, um, what is it? The country girl going to the city, that kind of, I can it just looks enormous, doesn't it? it finding my, so you know, big. the best clothes I could find and, and stuff But on <laughs> reflection, looking back, <laughs> I looked like the country girl going to the <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, but in my head, I was like, wow, I'm all dressed up to go to the city. Anyway, um, so brilliant. I to totally understand that, um, how that works in your head as you're a kid. <laughs> yeah. And of course, everyone kind of knew it too. They're like the kid from the sticks, you know. Exactly. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so yeah, all, all, all seven years, actually, it was intermediate in high school. All seven years, I traveled um, every, every day. Um, I love it. 
even with a finally got a driver's license boy did that help but oh uh, i bet your parents were happy yeah yeah <laughs> except they never saw me i was like see you later all, all my friends live in the city because you sent me to a school in the city so i'm yeah, i'm out of here of see you later so i so, haven't actually lived at home since i was yeah, about 17 would probably be the last time i lived at home so um, did they have a farm why were they there like that just a... it was it was actually it's actually a lot is surrounded by farms but their property mm. is just sort of lifestyle mm. it's mainly okay. mostly native bush actually yeah um we you know lots of native birds in there it's actually a beautiful spot they've That's got it protected now so that nobody can like if they sell the property Can't no one developed. can, can mm. chop all the trees down mm. um so that was really cool and I, I made even as a kid i made all these little pathways so i guess now i think about it and mm. i'm only reflecting on this right now i guess mm. i was into trail running when i was a little eight-year-old running around the the bush making all these trails as a kid um and uh working out you know how i can go or, or, so you could actually you know do a short little circuit of probably i don't know 800 900 meters around yeah. the property but but it was all on trails it was actually yeah. quite, and, and really steep too oh, so uh yeah never really thought about that huh. do, do you remember in those runs that you did do for the school did you enjoy mm. it? And I know you said you did oh, yeah. well. So obviously, yeah, you enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, oh, I loved Athletics Day and cross country and, and all that sort of thing. Um, the school actually happened to be, it had a working farm on it. So cross country was pretty legit. Um, oh. You know, you had, you had mud and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was pretty decent. Uh, Cow pets? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty decent. Um, as opposed to in my adult life where I find cross country the most punishing thing to do on earth, but I know you need to do it, but oh my goodness, like I would rather run a hundred miles in the bush than 8k at cross country because it's just, it hurts so much from beginning to end, you know, you just redline the whole way. It's awful, but yeah, it's, it's good afterwards. There's not enough fences in the way and obstacles to get around and over. And It's just, it's just, yeah, you're just you're just hurting the whole way yeah. um and it's like just how long run. you can hurt for yeah yeah it's like like a half marathon or 10k you know so I try um, to all right so, as much as possible so we have you in america but right now you are not in america so no. you obviously returned to new zealand i did i um uh, it was it's always a girl isn't it um but i don't know uh, is it not for me could be it was a bloke <laughs> It's always a partner um <laughs> and uh and we actually got together when i i came home for a few months and we actually got together then and then i buggered off back to boston mm -hmm. to finish off my degree um and uh we have been together ever since oh, um so, so uh yeah that is a ridiculous amount of time ago now i don't i can't even work it out it's so long ago 25 26 27 so you years. were 19 uh, yeah, no, 26 19. years yeah let's call it about that um and uh uh she she was based back here and had a had a had her life here and that sort of carry on yeah. so i was like okay cool i'll come here and figure it out you know because obviously i'd got this degree and film scoring or writing yeah. music for screen and then i'm turning up to auckland and i'm sort of thinking what on earth do i do like, with this hurry up will they hurry make the hobbit will they do yeah. the <laughs> well the problem is those films are all those are all massive hollywood composers you know that it's not like he's gonna i'm not so gonna call from peter how jackson that, how that world works you should be i'm here um yeah yeah don't need no, those I mean, other they've got people. so much budget that they just go oh they you know hey hans zimmer are you available you know like the, wow. they can they can pick and choose whoever they like yeah. so but that's fine um i i don't know if i would like that level of stress to be honest fair um, enough <laughs> i don't think it's i don't know if it's worth it I, I i question the health of some of these people that that work on this this top level um, sort of crazy film hours and stress and 
Yeah, I mean, one of my mates from uni is a a copyist, which is a very specific job where once the composer has completed their film score, and this can be hundreds of pages long, then they need someone to turn that into charts for every member of the orchestra. So you need to do a violin one, violin two, oboe, etc. for the entire orchestra. This guy's job is to take that full score, print out parts or create the parts, make sure that everything is perfect, print them out and then make folders for, you know, there might be a hundred piece orchestra at the Hollywood scoring stage. So he's got to make a hundred folders with the entire film, every single cue, perfectly organized without a single mistake. He's got to get them all prepared and, and they're waiting on Monday morning. He, all of these need to be on every single stand in the orchestra ready to go at, you know, 9 a.m. or whenever they start recording. Wow. He gets that score on on Friday night. <gasps> so his entire weekend, there's no sleep and he's got an entire team. And all they're doing is checking, printing, sellotaping, putting these all these folders together. And he turns up Monday morning without any sleep the entire weekend. And then the entire recording session, he is staring at the faces of every single person in that orchestra. And the moment someone looks confused or leans forward and picks up their music, he runs over, what's the problem? Runs back to his computer, prints out a new one with the thing corrected no. and that sort of carry on. Because cause every minute is like $10,000 or something. Oh, Ridiculous. No. Oh, so, it sounds horrid. Right, like, <laughs> yeah, no thanks. One. No thanks. I mean, I'd happily run for the entire weekend, but I don't think I would want to do that. So I'm quite happy not having those levels of stress in my life, I think. Yeah. So what did you do when you came? How did you, what um, employment does, do you find with the kind of degree that you have? Yes. Not fan- working in Hollywood. <laughs> fantastic question. Um, I think uh, the old Kiwi way has always been, um, don't just say you do one thing because um, in LA you can specialize in LA you can be a copyist or you can be an orchestrator or you could be a conductor and you could that is all you need to do and you will be busy Um, I also loved the sound recording sound design aspect of picture so Mm -hmm. sound effects you know um, and mixing and making things sound good and while I was at uni I also learned those you know there was like engineering for the composer classes that you could Mm -hmm. take uh, the guy who took that class was Meatloaf's engineer. He told me a great story about, just to get totally off topic for a second, he told that. me a great, a great story about Meatloaf. Um, as you can imagine, the guy, it was sort of, a lot of, the man generated a lot of um, mucus when he sang, right? Like, like a bat out of hell! And it's sort of like, like spit going everywhere, right? And they used these very um, delicate ribbon microphones to record him. Um, but the problem was every sort of 10 minutes, so much moisture got on the ribbon mic that they had to stop recording, unscrew the capsule, get the ribbon, which is literally just a little filament ribbon, and dry it out, like hang it and dry it out. And then they could put it back on when it was dry, put the capsule back on, and they could record another 10 minutes while he spat all over this very, very delicate $20,000 microphone. Oh, my God. Um, Anyway, sorry. So so I enjoyed that aspect of it well, and I I think that's what's um, sort of kept me busy all these years. I still Mm -hmm. have – I work for myself from day one, so I still – work for myself um and uh i would say half of my work is writing music for yep. screen yeah a huge amount of kids shows these days but it has been all sorts of things over the years um and the other half is recording a voice uh podcasts okay. um and um and doing um sound design and mixing and all that sort of carry on so um sometimes i'll manage the entire project um and sometimes i'll just get called in for a part of it so that's i think by sort of sort of saying yes to all of the aspects of sound it has mm-hmm. kept me employed shall we say yeah. this entire time yeah um so yeah it worked do you, out do you mostly work from home 
yes, my studio here is a is a separate building that I got craned in. Um, oh wow! In, in the back of my property, but this is only about a year old. Um, yeah. And uh, it was it was a, a victim, if you like, or a not a victim. It's not the right word, but. <laughs> Because of COVID, I had a studio in town. I was paying all this rent, yep. and um, and I realized, and I couldn't even visit it. You know, we had oh. the same sort of rules that yeah. I think Melbourne had quite a strict Melbourne lockdown. Melbourne in particular, we, yeah. So I couldn't even visit the place, um, and I realized that that was silly. And what if this happens again? And I need a plan oh. B. So I ended up just getting it built. It was actually got built in the South Island and then driven up. Um, don't ever get anything craned onto your property. You'll lose ten years of your life in stress. It is just. I've seen it yeah. in like grand designs and things, you know, when oh. you see it, it's like, oh. <laughs> Overhead power lines, a narrow entranceways. It was, yeah, we had to use sledgehammer to destroy a wall just to get it in. So I don't recommend doing that. Just get it built on site. Um, but it's been worth it. It has been amazing. Um, you know, clients actually love it because pe people can just park. It used to be yeah. such a mission to park in the city. So now yeah. it's much easier. So, yeah, uh, having my own proper studio at home has turned out very very well for me that's amazing i keep expecting to see i meant to ask before because i've you know we're talking about sound and things um i i know some people who are in similar lines of work to me and who are recording a lot so they'll turn their office and they put those um sound absorbing sure yeah funny things and i can't see that in yours and no not really that. um i'm sure it'll booth, bore everyone but i'm I, interested yeah i mean <laughs> i don't know if you my booth is in there. You probably can't uh -huh. see because it's all just reflecting light. But in there, that that entire room is um, very much the, all the fancy baffling and all that sort of. Oh, it's got all that. Oh, yeah, go. it's see got it, it all like, in the booth. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could definitely do with doing some in here, but um, it's on the list. It's always there's always a list, and it's on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an audio um, what a, a phobe. I don't. What's the word? Anyway, I'm not an expert, as we've established. And <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I don't know anything. I just somebody told me I should get some and I have it, but I don't notice the difference between your sound anyway and my sound. Well, uh, it depends if you're, if you're right on the microphone, then you're not going to get a heck of a lot of room it's noise. But anyway. if you move away yeah. from the microphone, you're going to get yeah. a lot more room noise. So yeah. the so. the nicer your room is, the better your room treated is, uh, the better that you'll be able to use that off mic sound. And the more um, you can. <laughs> but yeah, all, all microphone recordings are done in the booth there. That's all, okay. that's all properly set up. Yeah. Well, that is interesting. So anyone, whereabouts are you now in New Zealand? Auckland, yeah. Boring in old Auckland, Auckland yeah. right right in the middle. Um, Auckland doesn't sound boring. <laughs> no, nah, Auckland's, Auckland's actually choice. I, I reluctantly say it's choice because we're, as a runner, we're we're struggling a little bit at the moment, but not, I mean, I say that, uh, that sounds a little flippant because some we've had, as you may have heard in the news, like a whole floods. bunch of flooding lately. Mm. We've had cyclones. Um, Auckland got really slammed. Uh, just right where I am here, um, just two streets down, was completely underwater mm. up to... Um, uh, nearly nearly a metre oh, during wow. the worst of it. Uh, houses have just been wrecked. So for the last oh. few weeks, we've just seen on the sides of the road, uh, people have just been hauling everything out of their house that got destroyed and it's mm. just so much stuff. It's devastating. Um, and some some houses get, get yellow stickered, red stickers. One of my running mates who lives out in the west coast, Murawai, he, uh, he can't go back into his house anymore. He, he, can't, he couldn't even go there to get anything out. They yeah. put a red sticker on it and they closed the whole road and they said, sorry, mate. Everything that you uh, held dear, uh, you, at the moment, you, you can't, can't go in there. Mm. So um, a, as a result of this 
weather, um, a huge amount of our trail network has been absolutely destroyed. Oh, of um, course. So we've lost um, all of these beautiful trails on the west coast mm. uh, that had only just been rebuilt because of other reasons. Kauri dieback, yeah. which is a tree that had a, uh, I say, allegedly had something eating away at its roots that was allegedly carried by humans on their shoes. Uh-huh. I'm still not convinced of the science, but that's just my opinion. Um, but anyway, as a result, they closed all of the trails in the Waitakere Ranges. Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, they rebuilt some of them to a very high standard so that we couldn't spread the disease. Mm-hmm. And even some of those brand new trails, which cost thousands of dollars to build, have been completely washed into the ocean. They're gone. Oh, gosh. Uh, and it's not a, and sometimes it's not even a case of, oh, well, we can build around it. There is no around it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what they're going What's to do. So uh, we, we, we're not sport for choice like down in the South Island with trails. So to sort of lose uh, some, really some really good. important and beautiful tracks uh, of, of the limited ones we had left, uh, is, oh. it kind of hurts. But yeah, yeah. It's a bit some people have lost their homes. So for me to yeah. moan about trails sounds a little bit selfish. Yeah, but it's all part still. of the big picture. Yeah, it's still part of your quality of life and all sorts of other stuff too, ultimately, isn't it? Some of that choice. Well, I mean, you know, I live right smack bang in the middle of the city, so I'm surrounded by roads. Uh, I have one hill, uh, Mangafau, Mount Eden, and uh, that even that one, they've closed the cone off at the moment uh, because they're doing some 12-month-long symbol something on top of it, so we can't. I can't even go to the top of my local hill. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, so you do feel a bit frustrated at the moment just because so many things are closed. You should start um, stair yeah. running. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you can buy mm. some building. <laughs> yeah. You know. no, so I don't get to run amongst the trees as often as I would like. Um, oh. I, I just got back from Tarawera a couple of weeks ago and that was beautiful because it, I just love the trails down there. And even yeah. though, once again, nature had closed one of the tracks, we had to do a completely different course. Uh, it's still beautiful, and um, for someone who lives in the middle of a city, it was it was great to spend a uh, hundred miles <laughs> in the trees. Yeah. All right, we're talking a little bit about the about your running, which is oh, you're running. Sorry, Go the whole purpose. Well, it's the whole purpose, and that's good. Oh yeah, um, true. So how did you, how did it start? How did you start running? So we've got this musical nerd who yep. turned his music into um, his life. Uh, yes, in, and what it has been your life, and still is your life, which is amazing. Yeah. How did that well, morph into running? Apart from the, the little dabble at high school, which was basically as a result of not being allowed to do anything else. Um, when I was at uni, um, I was your classic uni student, you know, um, lots of beer, lots of not really doing much um, yeah. and just doing just immersed in music. Um, mm. But I did watch, I went down to the finish line of the Boston Marathon a couple of times. And of course, now I rue it as such a missed opportunity because I looked. I remember looking at these people, thinking, what? "They're freaks. Like who <laughs> uh, who can run who can run a marathon? Like this is you guys are absolutely crazy." And of course, I would follow. There was Commonwealth Ave. They run down Commonwealth Ave, and it's flat. And on the other side of the road is open. And I remember riding my bike um, alongside the guy that was leading, and just realizing how fast I had to ride to keep up with this guy. And and you know. I was making the classic mistake of comparing myself to the best in the world and sort of thinking, oh, well, this is, you know, this is ridiculous. Um, and, and just, of course, I was there for three years and um, I, that would have been great to, uh, to run a marathon there, but um, not to be. And uh, so, so I don't know if that got me curious. I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I came home back to New Zealand having done zero running in, in America, which is a shame. Um, and... Um, 
uh, I, I think the real catalyst was not until I would have been late 20s. Um, okay. uh, yeah, so um, I'm 44 now, so yeah. 15 years ago. And a couple of mates said, we're going to do the Rotorua Marathon and uh, which is you run around the lake that just happens to be yeah. an exact 42 kilometers and uh do you want to train with us and give it a go and i said like okay cool um and uh yeah we just we we went down there and gave it a nudge and and i remember i was a bit full of myself and uh, i think at about 15 kilometers i was running with the guys and i thought oh i'm feeling pretty good lads i'll just uh I'll just give it a bit of a push, eh? And like, okay, see you later, mate. You know, so off I went. Oh, I gave it a bit of a nudge, and uh, there's all these hills, and I absolutely hit the proverbial wall, like exact total cliche, like about 32 k's, just <laughs> totally depleted. And um, uh, the last 10 k's is quite punishing. That you have to run past the airport, not a lot of scenery changes. Yeah. Um, so you, you, I remember just trying to run, walk, run, walk, and then uh, I had five kilometers to go. And I'd sort of, I was running, but slowly. And then I get this pat on my shoulder as my two mates come flying past and, uh, you know, a bit of a wave and they wave and, you know, I sort of tried to keep up with them and I couldn't keep up with them. And, uh, in the end they beat me by about a minute or two minutes, um, four hours and four minutes or something of, of suffering. And, that's, um, that's pretty good for your first. Well, oh. yeah, I had much higher expectations, <laughs> shall we say, uh, and they were not met. And, um, <laughs> And then there was the classic sort of, you know, at the bar afterwards, we're all having a beer and, and everyone, you know, cheers, well done, everyone with, everyone has their first sip and there's always that moment of silence after your first sip. And uh, then one of my mates go, hey, so Andrew, um, what was your time again? You know, like, <laughs> okay, thanks. And, and of course, did... I've never, I've never run with them again. <laughs> and so I've never been able to beat them. So they consider themselves undefeated uh, or to this day. And I don't think they've run a marathon since. Oh, so. well, there you go. There's, that's not happening, is it? It's one stay. No. Yeah. <laughs> stay so, yeah. And I remember cramping up and being like actually getting quite upset. I think I had tears afterwards because the, oh. the cramping was so bad and uh, I didn't know what was going on. Um, and, uh, you know, just being so sore and, and, and all that sort of carry on. So certainly my first marathon was not one of those high five uh, moments. That's for sure. Why did you keep going? Why did you keep running? That's a very good question. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that sort of, maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's sort of like, okay. Cause when you do, obviously like most people, you finish one of those and you just go never again. And then, you know, a few days later, um, you sort of go, well, if only I did this and I did this, you know, that's, we've all heard that story thousands of times. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it really was stubbornness and, and just being very frustrated at having such a bad race and sort of thinking, well, I know I can do better than this. Yeah. Um, so I now need to prove that to myself. Um, I need to figure out how to get better than this. Um, and I mean, I suppose I slowly did, um, but there was never like a eureka moment. I, I, I was just, building up that consistency mm. and figuring out how to train better and just running a bit longer. It, um, yeah. It makes me think a little bit, like I'm just trying to, you know, work through your thought processes. Um, <laughs> sure. As a musician, like, like a professional musician in, in the sound world and things, there's a, that desire to, I mean, you don't just play one song. Okay. I've done that. I've done that song now, played it once, done it. Like you, practice and you you want yeah. to perfect i want, didn't want to use the word perfectionist but 
you want to do better at, you know, you want to improve. Like there's that kind of, and maybe there's something in your personality. I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything, but that, you know, you want to see what you can do. Can I, can I do this better? I've done it one time and I can see bits where I could improve and what yeah, happens. I don't know. Maybe there is a metaphor there. Like um, if I think about uh, music, they always say, um, if you're having trouble with a piece of music, don't play the whole song all the way through. Just play the bits that you are struggling with. Mm -hmm. So it might only be two or three bars in a song. So you're playing it on piano and and, and then there's one or two bars that's really troubling you. Now, it would be silly to just start from the beginning every single time and Mm. and keep getting to that bit and making a mistake. So perhaps that's where that comes across to your training is you look at it and you think, well, I really struggled at this part or Mm -hmm. I really struggled with maybe my nutrition, or I really struggled with hill climbing or downhills or something. Mm. Um, So the next round of training that you do, you accommodate that and you you look at how you can improve that specific skill set. And the the more you do, the better you get at deciding which things are your weaknesses and what you need Mm -hmm. to work on more and more and more. Um, And you're essentially just filling up every little part of your arsenal so that when you hit a new trail something that you haven't seen before you have enough tools to deal with it and and do better yeah maybe uh and some of that's subconscious i suppose um but i think now uh because uh, as you can see i had no god-given talent at this it was it was hard yakka um no i mean you know i I mean i ran kepler a couple of years later uh, which is a 60-kilometre race in the South Island. Yeah. That, that's a single loop. Uh, it climbs up um, uh, to about 1,600 metres, I think-ish, wow. maybe less, um, yeah. from, from 200 metres. Yeah. And um, it, it's, it, it's an iconic mountain race in, in New Zealand. And the first time I did that, I was tracking pretty well. I came through halfway in about three hours, 10 or so. And for for 30K and I thought, yeah, I'm having a good day. This is great. And it all absolutely turned to custard. And I, I, the last 10Ks, I had to go backwards on the downhills because my quads weren't doing any support whatsoever. They'd absolutely gone to the point where it was just the bones of my knees sort of keeping me upright. You know, there was nothing, maybe my hamstrings. (laughs) It was so painful so that I couldn't walk any downhill going forwards because my knees were collapsing. So the only way I could figure out how to go forwards was to spin around and then straight legs, go slide backwards down the hills. And I ended up in in about eight hours, 10 or something. Um, So the last 30 Ks were fairly fairly miserable, shall we say. Excruciating. And of course, I'm facing all the people coming towards me. I'm just sort of waving at them. Don't mind me. I'm just being supportive. Yeah. (laughs) Go me. So, you know, again, I I stepped up to an ultra distance and and just massive problems. Um, And uh, my first 100K was North Face. uh, You call it UTA now. Yeah. In 2014. Uh, That's a 100K race. I DNF'd at 91Ks. Uh, my first ever DNF, and uh, wow. for those that have run it, they'll know that it's it's right at the bottom of this valley before you mm. you hit all of the single trail that takes you to the further steps um, up to the top. Yeah. And I knew that what the next nine k's were quite isolated, so I thought if I I was, I was vomiting, I had hypothermia, um, I think my body temperature was down to thirty three or something. And uh, fortunately, they had a really good aid station down at ninety one, so I hobbled my way there. Um, and then just had a hot water bottle and a blanket and in front of a fire 
and sat there for about three hours and realized that it was foolish to to move on uh, to continue on because if i collapsed at 94k then it'd be very difficult to get me out yeah um so once again i step up a distance it's a disaster um and uh I, that, and do you talk about the stubbornness i was determined to go back like that was one of those ones where the very next morning i'm like i'm coming back here next year and i'm finishing this damn thing yeah. and i'm figuring out how to do it and and mistakes that you need to learn from like i drank two espresso coffees during the race because i thought it'd give me a really good kick but there wasn't enough food in my stomach and it ended up just being this cocktail that just had me puking and I just awful Oof. it was so bad and mm. so you know listen learn i've, I've never ever drink caffeine in a run since um <laughs> before or during or after um and uh you know it's made a world of difference so you sometimes you learn the hard way and this was definitely yeah. a hard way of learning um so yes yeah, so i went back in 2015 and uh and and had a great race and i ran it so conservatively that i felt amazing in the last 10k's i remember getting to that point at 91 and just being so emotional about going oh. past it i noticed though that year there was no aid station i was like oh my goodness what would i have done if oh. this was the year you know this year that i was having this race it was weird oh, i don't i don't know what happened there but um and and the expletives that i, I remember seeing someone like 200 meters from the finish and i know i'm going to finish right and i'm so stoked because of the failure of the year before yeah and i yelled out you know yeah well a bunch of words i won't repeat but um <laughs> and happiness and this poor person would have just got a face full of this like ridiculously excited guy <laughs> in the dark um coming coming out of the stairs and, and finishing but i mean it is the most amazing feeling when you turn around a, a failure like that and um yeah. and, and go through the process of fixing all the problems and all the mistakes you made um to turn it into a really positive day so obviously that first marathon, I mean, you haven't described um, anything that sounds like I really have to do this all the time. I don't know if I've got a great answer for you, like, like why I kept, why you, you know, keep, why, the definition of insanity. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to remember just what was going through my head after that first run i mean it's it's a while ago now um but all i can think is that um it was just disappointment and knowing mm. i can do better and then so signing up i think auckland mm. marathon was the next one and so i just mm. thought i'll i'll sign up. and funnily enough now um i spent uh five years trying to get under 330 in the marathon and every time was like 331 335 336 <laughs> you know 330 and it was always just i could never crack oh. it um and uh and that was always at auckland uh, and and now i'm a pacer for the 330 people no. which i just i kind of i love that because it's sort of like it tells me that i must have done something right eventually because yeah. now i can turn up to a marathon and guarantee that i can run a 330 like i, I can run it evenly the whole way um and yet in my 30s in my mid 30s in my you know theoretical prime when i when i had been training and working hard i couldn't crack it wow. um the, the solution in that one was just run up way more hills. Just just run up hills, <laughs> just keep strong. running up hills. Love the hills. Um, uh, and that, that helped immensely, actually. I love just, too. Yeah. I think yeah, we've got my, plenty of them. My, um, my best marathon was 10 years ago when I was your age now. And that was oh, yeah, yeah. three hours, 36 in Melbourne. But I could never do. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. I suppose when I just finished, I can remember thinking, I wonder if I could get down to 3.30. I think I was just so stoked that I'd got under um, 3.40. I was just like, whoa. I can certainly (laughs) relate to that time. Um, But I don't know if that will ever happen again. (laughs) I'll never say never. Yeah, but that's right. No, well, now my If you need a pacer, you know, I got got it down. 
quite good at it now. We, we often talk on the podcast about, you know, one of the things that drives some people is to go faster all the time and other people it's to go further um, or yeah. what do you think? Oh, I like, I want at? both. Yeah, I want both. I want to go further and faster. Um, and uh, I mean, my longest run so far is uh, Coast to Cozzy, good old C2K. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that was a tale of two races, kind of awesome for the first 100 miles yeah. and brutal for the end. last 50 <laughs> miles. Um, but still, it just is still my favorite race ever. Um, wow. When did I'm, you do I'm, that one? 2016, I want to say. Okay, a little while. Yeah. 2016, maybe yeah. 2017, but I think 2016. Um, weather was great. Um, Stephen was running it. I think he got third that day, of course. So he enjoyed he enjoyed talking about times as well. Seems to be a <laughs> recurring theme. Um, and um, but just just the experience and the people were like because you've got these roving vans um, yeah. all going throughout the race of, of crews and supporters, they get to know each other really well, especially the crews that are around a runner who's doing the same pace yeah. as you. And I remember I took off my jacket at one point because it got warm and I was holding it in my hand and it was probably only in my hand for about 20 seconds before one of the crews came up, not my crew, but you know, it's another crew going, and, and they just go, oh, Chuck is, Chuck is your jacket, Andrew. We'll, we'll go give it to Emma. I'm like, oh, we're all friends now. Are we? You know, everyone knows everybody halfway through the race. Um, and sure enough, that's what they did. So, uh, and, 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 you know, afterwards, um, uh, Paul back then, um, would, would, uh, he knew everybody's race. Like there were 50 runners or about 45 yeah. odd finished. And he'd say something about every single person's race. And oh. it was correct. Um, and it just made it feel so special and, and yeah. unique. Um, I'm determined to go back uh, because, again, I slowed down far too much in the uh, second half and, and I'd like to fix that. Um, plus, it's just an amazing race I want to experience again. Um, but it keeps clashing with other events. Um, because uh, that time of the year, end of the year, is always very busy. So, yeah, uh, maybe next year. How do you fit it in? Like everyone may have, like we haven't got into huge detail, but they've I'm sure they realised you went from I think I'll start running with a friend, do a marathon, do a marathon, <laughs> uh, and then you're up to like 250 odd kilometre type runs now. So how do you fit all of that in with? working for yourself i know what that's like work for myself yeah oh it's full-on because i'm i'm so i'm the um and uh, kids because yeah because i have three children and uh i'm i am technically the stay-home dad by default because i'm here my, my wife works <laughs> at the hospital okay so she's gone um every day uh yeah. full full days and um uh and i've got to get my training as well so um it is uh a massive challenge and mm. every single minute of every single day has to be uh completely organized otherwise choreographed it's impossible mm. um but i love it that's that's how i operate i i, I like the um uh i like having that structure um yeah. school holidays drive me crazy because not just because the kids are home <laughs> no but. no uh, <laughs> no it's just because the structure's gone out the window yeah. and uh, and and i feel like um, i don't know what to do with myself but um you know, my, my daughter is uh, loving cricket at the moment. So there is a lot of cricket requirements for me to drive her to. Oh, that's um, awesome. I mean, it's awesome that she's loving it's cricket. It's awesome that she's loving <laughs> cricket. But uh, it does mean uh, sometimes it's three games a week and a couple of practices. And so can so, they extend those cricket games to however many hours and then you can go for a run while she's uh, practicing? I've definitely done that a few times. Yeah, I've, it's, I've done it's that. 
Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, you, and that's exactly what you do. Yeah. You, you look at your day and you go, right, I've got this, then, then you know, uh, okay, I can do a run there. Generally, I do try and plan the day around a run. <laughs> so if I've got a booking with a voice coming in and I'll go, uh, you know, like our, our chat today from getting rid of the kids, I mean, making sure the kids are safely out the door. Um, <laughs> to you, I had a window of about an hour 45 and I thought, okay, cool. I've got recordings this afternoon. I'm talking to you in the middle of the day. Okay, there's time for a run. So that's what I did. I, I, that, that was how, and that's all has to be planned the day before, otherwise yes. you'll miss the boat. Um, so yeah, no, it's just simply putting everything in. Often I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. If there's okay. no, if I know that the yeah. day is, is gonna be work all day, then uh, my run will be at 4 a.m. because um, the the rule is uh, my wife has to get a coffee brought to her in bed at 6 a.m. Oh, and that has I to like happen. That. And that's the way that allows me to have, you know, my long Sunday run and things like that. Yeah. When, uh, of course, the kids are old enough now that they're not, it's not like having newborns that require no. your attention all the time. In <laughs> fact, they'd rather we weren't involved, to be honest, two teenagers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, but I, I like it. I like to pack schedule. I like, um, I like the busyness of life and, um, and, and filling it, filling the cup every single day. Um, to me, that's, that's my happiest uh, they, is when it's made kind of they, organized chaos. They do say that there's freedom in, like, I like a plan too. Like I, I look over there cause that's my seven day thing up on my <laughs> Oh, yes, whiteboard yes. and I every Sunday night or Saturday if I'm getting eager <laughs> I change the next week is already up there and like my runs are already written they stay there oh, in stone the but, runs go first Excellent. yeah so they go in first and then <laughs> um because I've got some that I do all the time you know with friends that I meet sure. and I found uh, each week so they don't move um very easily <laughs> as well and I find that that then gives you the freedom to do other things as well, by yep. by being planned, um, it gives you freedom to make to say yes or no as well. Because sometimes saying no is actually a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just treat everything as a as a every day as a puzzle, and yeah. uh, I just get all the fit all the pieces in. Yeah. And um, I mean, it, it almost my calendar pretty much looks like a puzzle and, and blocks and everything. And so long as it all fits, it's, yeah, it, it, it works. works. Yeah, yeah, most it of the time it's not too bad. Yeah, <laughs> I have been known to sit here and you know, have a, a meeting or whatever and have my running clothes underneath whatever clothes people can send me on the video. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, otherwise I just won't have time to get changed before I've got yeah. the small window to, you know, so fitting yeah. it in. and But also that resistance, I don't know if you ever have that and how you overcome it, that sometimes you don't, well, it's not that you don't want to go for a run necessarily, but maybe the motivation has is in a low ebb for whatever reason. Maybe the weather's crappy or you've just got lots to do, especially as a business owner, there's always sure. a list you never finish. But I find if I, like even right now, I've got my running clothes on because, again, I need to go for a run as soon as we finish because um, <laughs> it's a bit earlier in the day here. That's um, true. And I had a few other things on before. But it, that there's less resistance now for me because I've got, I can't say, oh, I've just got to go put my clothes on. That's going to take another, you know, 10 minutes sure. or whatever. So yeah. do you have any little hacks like that that you use? Uh, the only one is for early morning, uh, and that is to have everything ready to go. Yeah. So all you have to do is wake up and grab your stuff and go out the door. Um, mm. And uh, I find, like, sometimes I'll forget my hat or something. Like, oh, damn it. And you're creeping into the – it's 4 a.m. and you're creeping around the house trying to find your running hat. Yeah. Um, but that that's really it. And I always say if you, if the hardest part about – getting up early for a run is putting your feet on the ground. Yeah. So, so once you've done that, once you're, once you're sitting up in bed and mm. your feet are on the ground, it's happening. Mm. It, it, 
so long as you can make it that far, you'll be fine. So that that's yeah. really all. Um, I love that. All, all I suggest, because once you're doing that, you're you're on your way. You, you find your clothes, you put them on, you're out the door before you think about it too much. I'm I'm in the middle of a running streak at the moment, like a hundred and almost 150 run like days that I've run every day of at least sure. two kilometers. Just because I was trying to get my mojo back. It wasn't that I wasn't running, but I just wanted to run more. So I decided because a couple of my podcast guests talked about their running streaks. I'm like, oh, I suppose I could give that a go. <laughs> That's definitely a personality one. <laughs> I deliberately break a, if I see a, a streak of happening, I'll deliberately break it. So, oh, you will? I, I, Tell yeah, me about I know that. my, well, I know my personality. Yeah. Well, I'll start to get obsessive about it. Yeah. So before it becomes <laughs> too many, if I see that I've done two weeks running every day, uh, and, and I start to think, oh, that's quite a few days. Then I'll be like, no, nah, I'm having Monday off so that I okay. deliberately break it. So it doesn't become a thing. Wow. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I'm like, a, I do a I, lot of those things. I feel like I could get, well, I know I can. I was explaining it to someone I was talking to in podcast yesterday that because of it, as I told you before we started recording, the running club is every weekend through winter. And so um, because I help uh, organize that as a rule, I tend to go most of the time if we're around. So I, the start of the season, not so fit. By the end of the season, pretty good running fit. It's usually when the Melbourne Marathon used to be what I used to do that, the end of that sure. too. But then you would have summer would be, well, I'd turn up from my running with friends and then I might do another run for myself unless I had something to train for. And so there just wasn't the impetus to to stay as fit as I wanted to. So the start of the season, you're always let. So I was just, it's try how, for me, it's working at the moment to keep me moving and I'm enjoying yeah. it, even though I am obsessed. Like I've had a very busy few weeks <laughs> and my husband's like, you really going to get up at four o'clock and get your two kilometers in because there's no other space in the day that I'll be able to do it because of traveling yeah. or something. And I'm like, yeah. yep. <laughs> I yeah, am. just do it. Well, and that's cool. I, I, I'm not going to judge that. I think that's great. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny you talk in seasons. I don't ever think in seasons. I don't know mm. if that's just because of where I live, but, um, you know, every month is the same. Uh, there's no, there's no winter training different to summer training or anything like that. I, I never think of it like that. Yeah, and there's no downtime. Probably because of the running club and that's sort of how I started. That, that makes a season for you. You know, in yeah, my okay. 20, yeah, in when I was that age. So that was just how it had to be. You know, it yeah. was like, it's funny, isn't it? How we do that. Anyway, that's why I do it like that. I still haven't answered your question as to how I went from a marathon to. Yeah. Was to it seven all... years? Probably about seven years I went from a marathon to 240K. It felt like a long time at the time. I think after Kepler, Kepler was 2011. I didn't run another ultra until 2014. I was pretty broken mentally from that. Um, and so I, and then of course I did run an ultra in 2014 and DNF'd uh, at North Face. So you're starting to think, oh, is this not for me? Um, but because I was so pissed off about, um, oh, have you frozen? Uh, you've frozen, but your voice is good. So okay, it's all good. Sorry. Just keep talking. Great, has um, the internet. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you a click. There you go. Now you can oh, edit there we it. Go. Um, the because I was so annoyed about the 2014 um, result, that probably was the biggest kick to get me training properly and um, you know staying more positive regarding longer runs um, for the 2015 UTA and then um, onward to yeah, Costa Cozzi must have been 2016 because I ran Northburn okay. and. Tarawera. I also did something called the Great Southern Endurance Run, which was in the Victorian Alps. And that was an experience, eh? We did the first year from um, 
oh, Mount Buller to what's the place with the good beer? Um, oh, uh, Bright. Tasmania. Bright. Oh, I thought you were talking about No, no, about. no, no, Bright Brewery. <laughs> oh, Tasmania. No. Um, Oaks. Three hours north of <laughs> Melbourne. Sorry. Uh, three hours north of Melbourne. The, but Bright is up there, so it might be yeah. Bright. But I'm just sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm did just I being parochial. No, I'm saying Tasmania because I'm being parochial. Oh, yeah. Um, in that area. Sorry. <laughs> in um, Australia, that place yeah. with the good beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Remember fighting words in Australia. I don't know how you maybe you can. Yeah, probably. It's probably sorry. yeah Wellington, Auckland kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but. Um, uh, it was just, it was about 180 Ks and some of the craziest terrain I've been across. Wow. Um, and I remember there was like a, there was like an aluminium ladder hanging from a hole in the roof of a cave and we had to climb that ladder. Oh, that's awesome. To get to the top of this hill called, or mountain called the Viking, which is awesome in name for a hill. Um, and we were already like 60 Ks into this run. So everyone's getting a bit tired and you've got quite heavy packs on and you're climbing this ladder that's literally just suspended in midair thinking this is like, being in a video game or something it feels quite dangerous <laughs> quite silly but every it, nobody died everyone survived um and i actually think it was yeah, it was an awesome adventure um and uh thunderstorms at one point you had the carbon uh poles and they were vibrating from the um from the electrical storm and we we're, were quite isolated right up on this mountaintop and um i felt the poles vibrating from the uh, uh, electricity in the air and mm -hmm. they say that if you feel that, you just throw the poles away because they're basically a lightning rod. Um, and we just threw ourselves to the ground and there was, there was this crack of lightning, um, you know, 30, 40 meters away. Um, and we were just getting hail coming at us. And, and me and this other fellow called Simon was looking at each other, kind of laughing over, just like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> you know? I love it. I love so those it, kind of adventures. It was, it was great. Um, it took forever. I think it was about 35 hours or something. Um, some people were finishing in 50 hours. I mean, that is just such a long time out there. Um, but yeah, boy, we saw some country. That's for sure. You um, had an experience and a story to tell. Yeah. Oh, Australia's got, yeah, it's been very character building for me uh, as far as places to go. I read a long time, like talking about character building and places to go. I read, um, is it Pants of Perseverance, which is about a British girl who came to New Zealand and ran the full length of both of the islands over, I think it's six months. So okay. and she did it sort of solo. Um, she had a couple of breaks, but the book itself is really entertaining. It's worth reading. It's a really cool book. Um, it was a bit crazy, but it made me, you know, I could see all of the amazing um, places that you have to run in New Zealand. Did she do the Te Araroa Trail, which which is from the from the bottom north, to the top, or the bottom, or other, yeah, it doesn't yeah. you can go in either direction. I think she went from the bottom to the top. I think. Yeah, it so, goes through yeah. some extreme country. Mm, um, yeah, and yeah, you you really will see everything, especially in the South Island. I mean, so it's she, far far more dramatic down there. She even ran with her tent. You know, we're talking about events that we do. Yeah. Like a small tent, obviously had much smaller things and everything super light. Yeah, because some of them wow. are like three days without crew because you're just yeah. in the middle of the ranges and there's just no access. So you do need to take yeah. a fair amount of stuff with you. Just amazing. Yeah. Anyway, I just find some of that. I'm like, that would be awesome to, uh, the idea of that kind of adventure to be able to embark upon those sort of things. Is, is that part of yes. what keeps you heading out the door to these kind of events, do you think? That kind of I think certain races I do love the adventure like um, Northburn which is in the South Island is a hundred mile race um, in central Otago in a little town called Cromwell near there and it's actually I I love it 
but it's quite a bleak course. It, there's okay. not a lot of trees. It's rocks yeah. and um, uh, sort of tussock grasses and things like that. Um, and it's really tough. Uh, it's about 9,000 odd meters of climbing across the 100 miles. And, and, and in some places, it's kind of repeats itself. Um, you come back to base after 50 kilometers and after 110 kilometers. So there's a real psychological aspect of you've come in, you're knackered, it's dark, and you've got to go straight back out the way you came in. Oh, Off you go in, into the dark for another 50 kilometers. Um, a lot of people drop, as you can imagine, at that yeah. 110k point because you're, you're, if you're not feeling great, you're back home at base, if you like, mm. your car's right there. It's so easy. So there's a huge psychological element, which I quite enjoy, but there's just something about this bleak terrain mm. in such stark contrast to my suburban lifestyle here that, that I absolutely love. So I've got that in, it's only two weeks now. Oh, um, wow. So I'm very much looking forward to getting back down there because it was canceled last year with good old COVID um, mm -hmm. and um, and having another crack down, down there. So uh, certain, yeah, certain races, it is just, the, the sheer spectacle of that event but um there's a million bucket list races that i would still like to go do around the world tour de jantz being very high up there and i've been trying to get into western states now for eight years uh hard rock for six years um oh, wow. very difficult to get into these races yeah. but i will keep trying uh eventually surely I, I will get somebody there. will <laughs> yes do you yeah. do you look ahead at the like we've talked about how you plan uh, you're just your training kind of and your weekly schedule but do you look ahead at all the races that are coming up over the next 12 12 months or 24 months or whatever and try and I oh, assume some of them obviously you need to apply for but and yeah. then your training is all based around that is that how do you correct so that? specificity you've probably heard people say is is so important mm. um so you know the Tarawera so I've basically got these 200 miles that have only been five weeks apart Mm. Um, and followed that after North Penn in two weeks' time. After that, I've got uh, Relapse, which is one of those um, last person standing mm -hmm. events. So yeah. you, on the hour, every hour, you do the yeah, 6.7 kilometer. The backyard, front yard. The backyard, just... that's the one. Mm. Um, so in the space of only seven weeks, I've got three races that will presumably be 100 miles or longer. Um, and so you do what you can as far as specificity goes, but most of it is consistency and just keeping fit. Yeah. Um, so Tarawera is very runnable. So you yep. practice a little bit of speed work uh, and climbing is not as important. Northburn, you're going to be climbing for hours. Like one of the mm. climbs, even if you're feeling great, it's like a three-hour climb. Um, they're huge, huge climbs. Um, so you need to hit the hills or hit the stairs, mm. if you like. Um, yeah. and, and it's more of an emphasis on time on feet than it is distance. Okay. So you do adjust a little bit there. And then, of course, when you get to backyard, it's... It, it's a totally different game completely because yeah. um, your speed is not really very important. Um, it's, it's being comfortable. It's getting your nutrition, right. It's dealing with sleep deprivation. It's, it's other things. Yeah. Um, they're all quite different. So I've, I've done what I can in the limited time between um, mm -hmm. and I feel relatively ready. So we'll see how it goes. Because I've talked to a lot of people at the moment in the podcast who are doing, you know, these extraordinary distances, which seem to many of us sure. mere mortals, um, a lot of them actually talk about, well, they don't necessarily, they, they do train, as you said, for the specific terrain yeah. that they're about to tackle, but they do have this underlying level of fitness that they keep so that when someone told me, he runs every day, one of our good runners here, um, he actually doesn't necessarily always have a race coming up 
but he like he wants to always be able to enter a race if it's on in a weekend or two weekends but and just decide then as well he wants but in order to do that he has to keep himself at a particular level of fitness yeah to say be able to just go and do a trail ultra at a drop of a hat a drop of a hat yeah mm. uh, i i've always had a rule um i've probably had this rule for uh, over 10 years maybe 15 years is i want to be able to run a sub four hour marathon every single day of the year like oh, wow. that's my baseline yeah so no matter what else is going on i want to be able to have a level of fitness where i could do that tomorrow or do it today or whatever no matter what um and that's that while while that nowadays is would be very easy mm. uh i still consider it an important factor in just keeping focus as to a baseline like as, as how fit yeah. you need to be to at bare minimum be able to ramp up to these big long races and, mm. and do okay the thing is i i i still want to be competitive i don't want to just mm. be ticking a box um yeah. and you know like um Tarawera allows you to get a lottery entry for Western States. So mm -hmm. all I needed to do was run it at under 20, uh, 30 hours. So I could yeah. have totally cruised it. But no, I want to try and see how well I do. I want to compare myself to my peers at the same time. Plus, if you can do it quicker, you, you've finished earlier. So it's that's true. nice as well, right? <laughs> um, you might even get a few hours sleep. Um, so so I still, I still want to keep that competitive spirit going. Yeah. Um, and that does mean that you do have to... Um, yeah, focus on performance a little bit mm. more than just being able to go for a long time. Mm. Um, but I want to, I've not yet done a 200 mile race. Mm -hmm. I really want to do one, but again, I don't want to just do it at snail's pace. I actually yeah. want to do it with at a decent clip um, just yeah. to see what, what I can do. What you can do. Do you have a coach? Or do you yourself Not at the moment, mm -hmm. no. So yeah. it's a little bit make it up as I go, um, <laughs> but it is based on, I suppose, a heck of a lot of experience. Yeah. Um, and I did have a coach for a few years. It was excellent, okay. very yeah. detailed. Um, a lot of the learnings I got from it was to, it seems kind of obvious, but, you know, listen to your body. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I do use my heart rate a lot for training, mm -hmm. but I also, I really like that system of the zero to 10 effort. Um, what effort are you putting or how does it feel? Like, do mm -hmm. you really feel like you, you, you're working at, if you're working at eight out of 10 and you're going for your Sunday long run, well, you, you're going way too hard. Mm. Um, don't worry about what your watch says. If you feel like you're really pushing, then you, you've got to ease off. It doesn't yeah. matter what what yeah, speed what you're going the, or what the metrics say. It is simply just how your body feels. Mm. Um, for the last Northburn race, which went really, really well, uh, I placed second in it. For wow. the second loop, I put my watch in my backpack. I, I didn't. I didn't even have oh, it on me. Uh, admittedly, I needed to charge it. It was an old one that wouldn't last the whole race. So I thought, you know what? I could. It only needs to charge for an hour, but I'm going to leave yeah. it in my pack for the whole, I think it was an eight and a half hour yep. loop. So I've got no idea. I'm not worried about any of this, the numbers. I'm yeah. just running on feel for the yep. whole loop. And man, I enjoyed it. Uh, and I don't want to be that, because sort of, I love the technology. I, as you can see my, in this, I'm <laughs> surrounded, surrounded by technology. Um, I, I love technology. I've got the latest toy on my wrist, you yeah. know. Um, but, uh, I've got to say it was pretty cool was pretty, not having any yeah. tech and just running and enjoying the day. Do you listen to things talking about tech when you're no. running and talk, being no, an audio my life person? Is, my life is sound. So yeah. I don't want to have, it's still like being at work. Um, no, I have nothing in my ears. No, I, I always just enjoy the, whatever's around me and that sort of carry on. Do you mostly run by yourself when you're training? Uh, usually, there's not a lot of people mm. wanting to get up at four o'clock and go for a run. Yeah, it's a bit, um, 
weekends are good though there's always there's always a few guys um that uh that are up for some some weekend trails on the ones that haven't been demolished um there's still some mates and unfortunately one of them's got real good eh? i can't keep up with them on the hills so that's making me feel a bit old (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he just got um sixth in the uh tarawera he ran a 1606 100 mile at tarawera so i don't mind being um shown up by a fella that can run that fast that's okay (laughs) It's not a problem. Um, when you're out there training uh, or running, racing, doesn't matter, um, what sort of things are going on in your head? What's your brain doing? Uh, training or racing? Doesn't Just... matter. Whatever. Doesn't matter. What are you thinking about when you're running? Hmm. I'm sure it varies all over the place. Uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's it different when you're, tra- when you're racing. Especially yeah. I mean, some of the answers time. are boring. Some of them are like planning the day um trying yeah. to put it together and oh remember that thing don't forget mm-hmm. to do that thing mm-hmm. um but then there is if it's getting close to race day i do a huge amount of visualization okay. um uh you know i'm imagine i'm feeling my effort that i'm putting in and i'm thinking yeah. okay you're feeling like this you're at the 80 kilometer mark um how's it going or okay you've you know you've got 100 kilometers to go you're feeling like this and, and i do try and put myself in there on race day especially when i'm not having a good run you mm-hmm. know if something's not feeling great or i'm tired or whatever um i imagine that okay this is race day what are you doing about it um or, or is this okay can you yeah. go for another 80 kilometers and i do often do that and then in visualizing the finish line I'm a, I'm a big fan of that one um just just focus on the feeling that you'll have when you cross yeah. mm-hmm. uh when you're not feeling great um mm-hmm. And, uh, but certainly during races, I'm, I'm always telling people and myself at the same time as I'm telling people is, um, these, these very long races have a lot of surprises in them, especially if it's a new course you've never done before. And the biggest mistake I think people make is when they're tired, they come around a corner and they see maybe a big hill that they didn't, they thought Mm -hmm. they'd either already done, Mm. they weren't expecting it wasn't on their, on their Mm -hmm. map or whatever. And that can throw you. It can it can mm. it can wreck your race because you're just like, oh man. And I was absolutely guilty of this. I did it for years, mm-hmm. and I'd I'd be so frustrated. And and sometimes I think to myself, oh maybe maybe we're going around it. You know, maybe we're not going up that <laughs> enormous mountain. Maybe we're going around it. And I'd always have this fool's optimism. Um, and and of course of course you're going up the hill. That's that's why <laughs> it's there. Um, and I, I realized to embrace those unexpected moments instead yeah. of fighting it and and hoping that it's a mistake or something like that actually just sort of going oh cool and, and it sounds silly because you really mm. you're only kind of fooling yourself because you're not really stoked about having to go up this massive hill at 120 <laughs> kilometers but if you tell yourself that you're really looking forward to it um then it it does actually help and you treat it Absolutely. as a positive um and uh it, and if you've got something to talk to even better and and you can both moan about it while you're climbing up <laughs> I, I mean i did i was fortunate enough to do utmb in 2019 and um there's a huge climb in there when you're climbing out of switzerland um and it was never ending um it was leading up to this beautiful spot called champé lac and it's about 120 or 30 k's in and i'm not exactly sure but um there was a french fella uh who was happened to be climbing at the same speed as me um which for both of us was fairly slow at the time um but we ended up i just ended up trying to bounce my french off him and i was Mm -hmm. practicing my appalling french with him and i was asking him the names of things and i remember him i pointed to a cow and 
at the top of his voice he just i remember him yelling lavash um and it's just those we just had a laugh and suddenly we were at the top you know we made it to the top and it was so much more enjoyable than if i just sort of trudged it by myself and just yeah. been really negative about it and um yeah because it, you know, UTMB as a whole didn't not go very well for me, but uh, at least I finished the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know, it's it, all those mind over matter moments that you can do, in a, especially in a really long run. But I suppose it counts for short ones too. Of course, just yeah. being able to break it down and go, this is little moment. It's I'm I'm feeling bad, but that's mm. okay because I've felt bad before and I've pulled out of it. Um, maybe or, I mean, in the middle of races, I've laid down for an hour and slept. And yep. it's turned the whole race around. And I've, I've yeah. woken up. It's a weird feeling uh, because you wake up and you're like, where am I? Oh, I'm in the middle of a race. I'm like, oh, my oh, goodness. Because <laughs> often it's a fog, you know, and you've got this real heaviness over your yeah. in the middle of the night. You know, your body just wants to sleep. You're not really thinking very rationally. You wake up, everything's cleared, and you're wondering what the hell you were doing. And you get up quickly and, and you're off. And you actually feel wow. quite good in, in my experience. I felt quite yeah. good. Uh, C2K, I fell asleep three times and, and it was ridiculous. I just don't know what was going on. But I would, I'd be like, you know, falling into the tarmac and, and wow. I'd just catch myself. And my pacer would be like stopping me from face planting. And so I'd, I'd, the car was never too far away. So I'd yeah. c- crawl into the back of the car and you'd sleep for 10 minutes mm. and you'd think that you'd slept for one second. Um, and then I'm bashing on the boots, uh, you know, because you wake up and you're like, oh, my God, let's go, let's go. I'm in the middle of a race. Um, <laughs> and uh, and off you go. And it would last about eight hours and I'd be face planting again. And um, wow. yeah, that, but then, you know, UTMB, I ran, I was awake for 50 hours and I didn't get sleepy at all. So it's crazy. I, some days are different, I guess. I yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? It's kind of our bodies are so unpredictable. And then you throw in yeah. a weather, the weather, the course the other people around you or whatever. And this, we can't predict every little thing. And uh, which probably to your point of um, that you were just talking about when things are going to be uncomfortable and understanding that that is going to happen with mindfulness, we talk a lot about acceptance and that's basically what that is. And none of us get out of here alive and we're all going to go through ups (laughs) and downs in our life, irrelevant whether we choose to run or not. And just accepting that, you know, the running has a lot more positives than negatives and the negatives actually, if you embrace them, as you said, um, yep. or, or accept them that they're there, um, it's much and just, easier. And think about it. It always makes a great story too. Like the more oh, yeah. uh, sort of trials and tribulations yeah. you experience, but, uh, the, my first Northburn two o'clock in the morning, we had hundred kilometer hour sustained winds at the top of this, uh, very exposed, uh, track. And, um, I remember my feet were sliding across the gravel because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't stay. And so I'm on a huge lean trying to, um, uh, trying to to stay upright. And there were these big rock walls that you had to go past, but you couldn't see them. So you went past them and suddenly there was no wind. So you'd sort of half fall over trying to catch yourself as the wind from from hundred kilometers now to nothing. And then they'd blast you again. Um, And then it started raining. It was like nails being thrown at your face oh, uh, and, wow. and i remember at the time just laugh i was laughing i was just like this is so ridiculous <laughs> but i'm loving it you know like I'm absolutely like i mean my favorite day is a day when i've experienced all 24 hours of it yeah i, I love that you know it's, it's the maximizing and and quite often you never need to as long as you don't do it too often you never need to make up that sleep mm. you get away with it you know mm-hmm. as long as you have a decent sleep the next day yeah. day after that or whatever yeah. um you get a free pass every now and then yeah. where you really <laughs> do get to experience every minute of a day and wow. um yeah that's my favorite kind of day 
sounds a little bit like some of my the hiking I've done in Tassie, <laughs> like where you have every every season thrown at you. I don't think I've stayed up all day though for it, like all night. But yeah. yes, every oh, season with the good. with the thunder and the lightning and the hail and the the wind and the it's just. I, um, I prefer it. I always have a bit of race. <laughs> my races always go better when it's really miserable. Uh, yeah. I, I tend to thrive in um, horrible conditions. It, it, if it's a beautiful clear day, I, yeah. I tend to get get wasted. I think <laughs> so. Because I grew up on the, the island that I grew up on, there's nothing between the west coast where I grew up on that island um, and South uh, Africa. So right. there's a lot of weather. Yeah. <laughs> so I grew up with weather and um, I love it. As a result, yeah. it's, it really makes you quite, there's a lot yeah, of they irons. Call it, and they call it theatre in the South Island oh, because you can they? see it coming. It's quite yeah, dramatic. You yeah, know, you watch these yeah. huge fronts coming yeah, in. Lots but anyway, weather. sorry, weather chat. We'll punish people weather with chat. weather chat. I don't mind. I love weather chat. It's fantastic because yeah. it's something that affects us all. <laughs> well, and runners particularly, and the longer you're out there, the more you're going to experience it. That's exactly. for sure. Exactly. All yeah. right, um, Andrew, when did you first call yourself a runner? Can you remember that? No. Um, I don't think there was a moment. Uh, I think it's it's just more of a, as you, as you've learned, they all tended to go quite badly whenever I sort of tried a new distance <laughs> or whatever. To be a bit of that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I kind of never felt like one because I could never pull off the thing that I wanted to yeah. do properly. Yeah. Uh, so I've never thought consciously thought about that as a, you know, certainly not as a yeah. point, I suppose. Do, do I even call myself a runner now? I suppose so, but it's just not, question. it's hmm. not a thing I ever think about. Do you, have you had any injuries that have stopped you running for a period oh, of time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And how do you uh, feel about that? Kind of related to your identity question. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure everyone will tell you that being injured sucks. Um, it and does. yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the biggest problem I've had was um, and will always remain uh, is underneath my left fibula, yeah. which is the smaller bone in the lower leg. Yeah. Um, I no longer have any cartilage because cool. uh, about, goodness, 20 years ago now, I was playing indoor football and someone kicked my leg instead of the ball. Um, yeah. It ended up in a clean break of the of the upper level of the fibula. And on x-rays, they said, oh, it's, it's sitting correctly. So no worries, no mm -hmm. need for surgery. It'll heal. You'll be fine. Um, and sure enough, you know, You're six fine. weeks later, I was back yeah. moving freely and it was all healed and everything was fine. But... Um, but uh, over the once I started running a long way, um, the I would find that I was favouring if it was a road, I would favour the left hand side of the camber okay. uh, because it didn't hurt uh, in my ankle, and I sort of thought this is a bit odd. And I put up with it for I had all sorts of things like orthotics and they sort of carry on, yeah. um, and then um, finally went to a sports doctor. Um, and this is only recently. I put up with it for so long. Um, it's part of that stubbornness, I guess. But um, mm. the the sports doc, and it, so it all had to be done over COVID, all over screen. But I got sent to a MRI, and um, the doctors, when when reviewing it, said, um, "Okay, so there's good news and there's bad news." I said, "Obviously, mm -hmm. bad news. Let's go." He said, "Well, there's no cartilage left under your fibula. Um, it's completely gone, uh, and there is no medical." current medical ability to put anything back in there that will last um, I said okay what's the good news well it's all gone isn't it so you can't make it any worse so if you can put up with the pain go for it 
wow. Um, and so I thought, all right, well, it's nice to know that I can just put up with the pain. Because what I discovered was sometimes if it got really bad, we're talking a lot of pain, I yeah. could kick a pole to the left, sort of give it a kick. And so it, I think the fibula can move around quite freely down there. Yeah. So I would sort of reset it into place by giving it a kick against a pole. Works Worked beautifully. Um <laughs> Yeah, the, thing, the things we do. Um, and actually, uh, over the last few years, um, I've realized that so long as I run all the time, mm. um, it, it creates a little bit of inflammation, which yeah. is a good thing uh, for right. once, because the inflammation helps to hold the bone in place. Oh my um, gosh. So I have to actually run all the time. Uh, that, is the, that is the solution. And the more I run, it doesn't hurt. And, and we're talking zero out of 10. Um, yeah, yeah once it popped out it would be nine out of ten so it mm. went from you know zero, zero to hero very very fast um so at the moment um, you touch wood uh, <laughs> bloody great yeah so how, how did you feel when when you can't run like when you had that how did you feel um like how was how do you deal with that there is definitely days? um because you don't want to be um that goes going back to your question of are you a runner well you i don't actually want that to be an identity but you realize when you can't run that it is and um when you go to um parties and you're meeting new people you're not introduced as a musician or a composer or <laughs> a sound guy you know oh this is andrew he's a crazy runner he runs a really long way um and you and and that's all they want to talk about yeah. Uh, which is, it's a great conversation starter. Although um, I think I said before, I'm not allowed to ever bring it up. That's my personal rule. I don't <laughs> talk running unless someone else brings it up and then they regret ever doing it <laughs> probably. But yeah, it's their <laughs> fault, not my fault. Um, but uh, it, it it does become an identity, whether you like it or not. Yeah. It's almost yeah. thrown upon you. Yeah. Um, and so when you can't run, um, you know, I, I love the social aspect of Strava. I know a lot of people are quite quick to put the boot into it, but I actually, for me, it's worked extremely well. Yeah. Um, I, I love being able to see what everyone else is doing. I like the social aspect. I like chatting yeah. to people. For me, it's great. So when I can't run, I suddenly hate it and I don't want to, but uh, I hate seeing everyone else out there crushing it. You know, <laughs> it's not so much hate. You just, you very yeah. quickly lose the love. Um, mm. and that's when you realize, yeah, that despite your best efforts, a lot of your personality is, is centered around tied into it. your, mm. your ability to, um, I guess maybe because a lot of people can write music. A lot of people can do sound, I think, and record things and that sort of carry on, but there's not many people that'll run 240 K. It's a far no. smaller pool of people. And that I suppose becomes your differentiator, yeah. uh, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. So, so a smaller pool that are musicians and can run 200. Well, funnily <laughs> enough, just just a very quick story. Uh, I was playing in a band called Catch a Fire, which is a reggae band from New Zealand. And um, uh, I was playing trumpet with them and I was in Perth, yeah. uh, P Perth, Perth. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were doing some gig there. And uh, it was the week before Kepler. I think my first Kepler, mm -hmm. 2011. And uh, I was watching another band from New Zealand that was on stage at the time called The Black Seeds. Yeah. And uh, their band manager offered me a beer. Uh, we'd already done our gig. He said, oh, you want a beer, bro? I said, no, mate, I've got a big race next week. I'm freaking out about it, so I'm not drinking, you know. He goes, oh, okay. He said, that's weird. Our trumpet player's also got a big race next weekend. <laughs> I'm like, no what? way. Is, is it called Kepler? He goes, 
that sounds familiar. I'm like, get out of town. And uh, so, of course, as soon as they finish, I'm straight up. Hi, man. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, sorry. I don't want to be right in your face. But hey, um, are you running Kepler next weekend? He's like, yes. I'm like, no. <laughs> and he was a trumpet player. So, like, the two trumpet, trumpet players trumpet from the two Kiwi reggae bands doing a gig in Perth happened to be running. And we didn't know each other. That happened to be running uh, this ultra marathon the very next weekend. How weird. That is so, so crazy. That was quite bizarre. He beat me too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, well, we don't. Uh, don't he didn't to have to go that. backwards down the hills um, <laughs> without bending his knees. He, he could actually run the whole thing. So, the, um, yeah. On the podcast, yeah. we have actually had Tim, who's a Tasmanian musician who's moved to uh, London to follow up his uh, musician. He's a very serious uh, musician. And he's also a very long distance runner. But we talked about... Um, about that and he said you know there's a lot of people in the music world who you know don't understand he's like but he said if it wasn't for it for his running he he thinks it really supports what he has to do in order to make it as a musician like because it gives them strength uh it gives them you know that fortitude to be able to keep going and he's healthy because he's not doing all the drinking and the smoking and the whatever yeah. that that I know hey, now that's, stereotype. I'm sorry, I did stereotype with fingers, quotes, and everything. But um, <laughs> How in dare the rock you? and roll, maybe it doesn't happen in Beethoven and uh, reggae. I'm not sure. But <laughs> uh, well, all sorts of things happen in reggae. But the um, <laughs> the funny thing is, like, if we do a tour, because we've done like you know a five week tour of America. Oh, and wow. it's it's always the way that like on the first night everyone goes crazy. Woo, we're on tour in America, you know, we're just in a gig on Sunset Boulevard. Let's drink oh, and be merry. Amazing. And so we all go crazy hard on the first day and then we wake up the next day and we're like, nah, we're not doing this for the rest mm. of the tour. And then That's the entire until you get to the last day, it's water and if you like it, people are drinking Red Bull and that's yeah. it. Like that's all they want from the rider for the oh, next wow. like four weeks. I love that. But what I loved about that, because I was running when I when I was touring. So every day you wake up in a new town or city and so when you go, you go for a explore. run, you're just exploring. Mm. And yeah, man, that was that. so cool. That is awesome. Um, so yeah, I've got to run around all of that Western, all the Western states yeah. of, of America, yeah. uh, all the way to Denver actually. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, do a gig in the night, get up, run in the morning and then jump in a van and go to the next place. Awesome. Um, America's how, big. How long do you think you'll run for? Oh, definitely forever. Like as long as of I course. can. Of yeah. yeah. Uh, Why not? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm in here for the long haul. Um, yeah. If I ask you to choose one thing, what do you, one thing do you think running has given your life? Wow. Hard, isn't it? It's having a constraint. <laughs> yes. What would you uh, not I want to give you a really fast answer, but I'm struggling to... <laughs> narrow that down what has it given me because i want to say like you know there's obvious things like fitness but it it's done it's given discipline it's mm. it's kept me sane yeah i can't give you one <laughs> i i'm i'm really having a hold back with three um <laughs> there, there no I, I i will refuse to answer your question <laughs> On the grounds, it's too hard. <laughs> On the grounds, it's that running has impossible. definitely not given me one thing. <laughs> I love it. It's impossible. Um, yeah. What's the best thing um, about running in your life? You gonna do? I have to do one for that as well. Oh man, um, the best thing is 
is oh man you see because it's like the scenery and it's going places and it's meeting people and and sometimes it's doing well and the personal thing it's being fit it's 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 just there's so many reasons and it, and i do it for all of them really i love it uh the, you know the in the two weeks time in northburn am i most excited about the scenery mm-hmm. or the people or doing well or the travel or no it's mm. all of it is, is of it. treated the same um mm. and uh you know all the all the the ice cream and pies at the end like that's also <laughs> like i'll do that i'll i'll be at you know 120 k's and i'll be like man just just think of that Load pie, bro. <laughs> that pie is gonna be amazing um yeah so sorry i refuse to answer your question that's fine i i I'm happy with that answer anyway. It's really good. How do people, how do people answer one thing? I don't even Oh, understand. most people don't. I don't know many people can give me one thing. Far they out. end up with like, as like you said, a really long list yeah. actually. Or they just say, um, my life would be shit. <laughs> or I'd be unhappy or, you know, they're all sorts. I, I wouldn't be because I have so many other things, but um, it would be a massive gaping hole in my life. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. I'll fill it with something though. I always course. find something. It doesn't yeah. sound like you have a um, a calendar which has got many holes in it, so, but you'd <laughs> yeah. fill it with something. I'd fill um, it with something. If, um, is there anything about running? I need to wrap it up because I've got to get oh, sorry. somewhere. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's not your fault. For ages. I know. I, I wasted time. I have a voice turning up in two minutes to record oh, there you go. So a you kid's do show. So <laughs> we'll go fast. I'll just wave and say sit down quietly. Yes. Is there anything about running that we haven't talked about? <laughs> that you want to talk about. I don't even want to ask that question because I know that we could talk for another We've three or four hours. We've only got two minutes. Uh, is there anything about running that we haven't talked about? I mean, of course, there's a million things. We can um, always pop back on again at some point too. Uh, yeah. Part two. <laughs> um, three, four, five. I just think that um, everything from uh, your own personal well-being to your, that goes for your physical and your mental, um, the, the, the positives that come from it are so huge. And mm. um, even though I'm not someone who, I'm a positive person anyway, and I probably mm. would be without running. Yeah. Um, it, it I realize when I, you know, from injury or whatever, when I have to take a bit of time off, just how important it is to me. Mm. Um, and uh, and it's just, it, it's just a, such a huge um I, I struggle to find anything negative in it mm. uh, as as a, is it a hobby? Whatever you want to call it. An activity, um, an activity that you can do. Um, a lifestyle. It's part of yeah. life. Like, to me, it, everyone was born to run. We, unless, you know, very few people yeah, are not a, born a few exceptions, yeah. with the skills um, to run. And but also never take it for granted. If you have if you have a great day and you go for a morning run and it lasts ninety minutes and you get back and you feel fantastic and the whole thing was great, really bottle that up. Like really mm. sit on that for a minute and think that was awesome. Don't just get on with your day. Just take a mm. moment to go to be grateful um, yeah. for 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 being able to move like mm. that without difficulty yeah. because a lot of people can't. So true. Um, mm. Yeah. I love it. That was, that was an attempt at wrapping it up. I love yeah. it. It was beautiful. Before we go, though, the last yes. thing I ask everybody is some oh, tips God. for beginner runners. That's it. Oh, like, okay. What would you tell people if they came up to you and said, I'm sure people have, I want to start yeah. running. I've seen you doing these stupid things and now I'm feeling a bit inspired. Um, sure. How do I start running? Yeah. I'll say good luck. On, no. <laughs> um, One step at a time. The most important thing um, uh, will, will be, obviously, don't don't do what a lot of people do. They put on their running shoes and they go run 8K and they feel mm. fantastic. And mm-hmm. then they spend four days unable to walk properly because they've blown their legs to yeah. smithereens. Yeah. 
uh, because your your body can do that. Most people with a base level of fitness mm. can go out and run, well, maybe not 8K, but 2, 3, 4K, yeah. way more than... So in other words, your cardiovascular system is far more capable than your muscular system yeah. at first. Mm-hmm. And you get this... People go do it, then they're sore for four days, and they just go, "Well, that was a stupid yeah. idea. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do that again." Straight away. Mm. So, all I'll say is, when you're getting into it, you must start so slowly, mm. and you want to come home having felt like you've done nothing. Yeah. Um, and you might be a tiny bit sore the next day, but that's okay. Take you know, take that day off. Then try it again. Just do mm-hmm. the same thing again until you're not sore, and then you can push again. And mm-hmm. it's such a slow progress. But the the big problem is that. Yeah, your fitness, if you're used to walking even a little bit, will will hide the fact that your legs aren't quite there yet. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, you end up yeah, blowing up straight away. Mm. It's just like anyone who, who tries to change their gait from being a mid, uh, you know, a heel lander. Yeah. They wear a heel lander, they go to midfoot and they go run 10K because that's what they're used to doing. Yeah. And they can't walk on their calves for, you know, sometimes a week afterwards. Yeah. Um, I'm waving to my voice. <laughs> Come in. Yeah, oh, the dog's here too. Um, get down, get down, Luce, leave her alone. Sorry. Um, Absolutely. And fine. Yeah, so, so um, and, and I made the mistake too. I only, I only ran for like 3K when I changed from heel striking to midfoot, but I, I was so wrecked. Um, and that's the same thing as someone who's beginning running. Is, yeah. is It'll let you do it, but you'll pay for it so badly that yeah. it, might, it might make you not want to do it again. Um, so easy, easy, gentle, gentle, um, get into it. And of course, try and find beautiful places to go because yeah, it's so much more enjoyable. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It gets you out the door. That used to be, really help me too. Thinking about where I was going to run, like where I wanted to explore. Yeah. I mean, in saying that my final race of the year, hopefully fingers crossed will be the 24 hour world champs, which is like a one kilometer loop around a track oh, or a park or something. So the very opposite of. A beautiful trail run but i'm happy with it all i'll do I'll there's do other all. reasons isn't there which yeah. we could get into we could talk forever andrew it's oh yeah been you talk about the psychological 24-hour challenge anyway, oh my sorry. gosh i yep. might even okay. have to hit you up for another conversation because i know that um well number one you have a really good microphone you sound great um, oh that's good <laughs> because um, you hope so because we could talk for hours about running and i think other people also find it really interesting because it is really interesting and your stories are fascinating. So thank you for sharing them with us and sharing some of your time. I do appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website, fitmindfitbody.co, and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.